Well, good morning. First thing I'm going to do is uh, let you know this is a very participating crowd this morning and message. So uh, if you're not used to this, I'm going to ask you to uh, take out your notes that you got with your bulletin this morning and set those aside because I'm going to have you write in a few minutes. So if you have a pen or a pencil, I'm going to encourage you to get one. If you don't get one, look to a person beside you and ask them if you could borrow one but make sure you give it back to them because borrow means I'm just going to use it for a minute and then I'll give it back. Let's all be good lovers of Jesus this morning and not steal anyone's stuff. (laughs) And if you're uncomfortable with writing, get over it because God's going to move in your life this morning. So this morning, I want to open up with a very in-depth theological story. And I hope you can follow along. It's a story about commitment. It's a story about in-depth love, and it's a story about presence. And this uh, deep theological story is called The Runaway Bunny. Some of you are like, I love that book. (laughs) This morning I want to read this to you. It's very short, and I know that you didn't come this morning to hear somebody read to you a children's story. But I'm going to ask that you would listen to the words and let God begin to speak to you. It says, Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away, so he said to his mother, I'm running away. If you run away, said his mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. Okay, everybody see the pictures there? (laughs) Notice I am not a teacher, okay? If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in a trout stream, and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I will become a fisherman and I will fish for you. If you become a fisherman, said the little bunny, I will become a rock on a mountain high above you. If you become a rock on a mountain high above me, said his mother, I will be a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. If you become a mountain climber, said the little bunny, I will be a crocus in a hidden garden. If you become a crocus in a hidden garden, said his mother, I will be a gardener and I will find you. If you are a gardener and find me, said the little bunny, I will be a bird and fly away from you. If you become a bird and fly away from me, said his mother, I will be a tree that will come become your home. If you become a tree, said the little bunny, I will become a little sailboat and I will sail away from you. And if you become a sailboat and sail away from me, said his mother, I will become the wind and blow you where I want you to go. If you become the wind and blow me, said the little bunny, I will join a circus and fly away on a flying trapeze. If you go flying on a flying trapeze, said his mother, I will be a tightrope walker and I will walk across the air to you. If you become a tight rope walker and walk across the air, said the bunny, I will become a little boy and run into a house. If you become a little boy and run into a house, said the mother bunny, I will become your mother and catch you in my arms and hug you. Shucks, said the little bunny, I might just as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. And so he did. Have a carrot, said Mother Bunny. (laughs) 
Let's pray. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, best sermon ever. You know, isn't that funny? Like, we can compare ourselves to the little bunny and God. The mom being God and we being the little bunny. Those moments in our lives when we're in a situation or in a circumstance that just seems too intense for us and we want out. And so like the little bunny, we have an imaginary game of hide-and-go-seek with God and, and we throw little things out to God and we say, but God, if, if you do this, then I will do this. And, and Father God stands there and he says to us and he he looks at us and he says, fine, if you want to try and be the trout, I promise you, I will be the fisherman. And if you think you can be that hidden rock on the mountain deep in a cleft, then I will be the mountain climber who will find you and mine you out to be mine. I'll be the tree, I'll be the wind, but at the end of the day, most of all, I will be the father that you need standing here with his arms wide open, ready to embrace you no matter where you are. Isn't that like us? We just want to run. The easier thing to do is to quit because we don't like where we are. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jack started a series from Psalm 139. It's this intimate look stating there is a you that you don't know. And it's true. There is a you inside of each and every single one of us that we really don't know. This you that we try to run from, this you that sometimes we can't identify with, this you that we actually sometimes try to suppress. And we don't realize sometimes that that you is actually yearning for the presence of God. But because we can't get a handle on it, we try to run from it. It's the part of us that God created that we don't know much about. And sometimes the things that we don't know much about, we criticize or we run from. And that's what this psalm portrays to us. David, like the little bunny, plays this imaginary game of hide-and-seek with God, and he says, what if, what if, what if, where do I go? And if I go here, and if I go there, what if, where will you be? Just like the little bunny. And we find these words written in Psalm chapter 139, and this morning, we're going to backtrack a little bit. Last week, Pastor Nicole went down a little bit further, and today, I'm going to bring us back over here, starting in verse 7, and we're going to work our way all the way to verse 12. You can refer to your notes or on the screen. This is what it says. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make a bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. When we read through this portion of Scripture, there's two things that stand out to us, two very important things. 
And the first thing we got to understand is this, is that the Lord is ever-present. He is ever-present in our struggles, in our circumstances, and in our situations. He never exits. He never exits the situation. He never leaves the circumstance. He never says, peace out. He never says, deuces. He never says, see you later. Good luck. He's always present, and he remains. And so this morning, this declares to us out of Psalm 139, simply this, but yet powerful, we are not misplaced. We are not misplaced. Something about the Lord that I have learned over time is simply this. He does not say, oops. He does not say, oops. When the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in heaven together, they do not sit there and look at what they've done and then say, oops, what did we just do? When they created the earth, they didn't look at each other and say, oh, wait a minute. Wait, something's wrong here. We, we just, we goofed up. Can we, do you think we can back up that process? They don't do that. When it comes to our lives, they don't look at us and go, oops, what do we do? I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't realize they were going to be in that situation. I didn't even see that coming. Did you know about that? Oh, I don't know. Did you get an email about it? I didn't send you anything. I must have missed. It's nothing like that. God does not say, oops, in the midst of our circumstance. Oops, in the midst of our life. Oops is a human term, not a heavenly term. Oops is a human term, not a heavenly term. It's impossible for God to say oops. And today I want to tell you that you are here, not here physically, but the situation you are in here, you are here for a reason. You're here because God knows and God understands that. You are here for that purpose. He knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly where each one of us are, whether we are choosing to follow him or we are choosing not to follow him. He is more aware than we are aware of where we are at. We can't escape him. And it's because of his love for us and his commitment to us that he pursues us over and over and over and over. We cannot get away from him. Just like the little runaway bunny, we can try all these different avenues to get away from the here with God, and we can come up with all kinds of new ideas, but he will always be there. Always. He is ever-present. That phrase that David uses, he says, I cannot flee from your presence. That word presence, if you have your pen handy or your pencil, circle that word presence because that word presence is very important. That word presence is connecting with the you that you do not know. And that word presence there in the Hebrew is the word panim, and it actually means face. It's the face, the face of God. David says, I can't go anywhere without being in your face. That's how intimate 
God is with us. So I have a, a two-year-old daughter named Adriana. And I love taking pictures of my kids up close. I just love getting those candid moments of my children up close because I love to see the expressions on their face. And I just love their face, and, and I love the little laughs and the little giggles that produce when, when I'm in front of them. And, I, you know, and sometimes now my oldest is like, Daddy, stop, I don't want to take a picture. <laughs> She's all like diva. But my, my youngest, though, she hasn't caught on yet, and so there will be these moments like we're at Presque Isle and she's playing on a playground. I, I sneak out my phone and I'm like, you know, and I take 70, 70 pictures, you know, and then delete, you know, all of them except one to get the perfect one. And when I go to bed at night and I get a chance to put my, my youngest down, we have this little routine. I take her in and I don't rock her. She has to climb into her bed because she sleeps in a big girl bed which is still her crib, but, and she crawls in, and we have this routine, this intimate routine, where I get down on my knee, and I get real close to her face, and she's sitting there sucking on her binky, and she tries to communicate, she says, Daddy, will you sing Jesus Loves Me, and trace my face, and so I take my finger, and I I begin to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I begin to trace her nose and her eyes and her ears and her head. And I just watch her, and she just is just amazed. And as I begin to sing, Jesus loves me, and she begins to sing along with me, and it's like that perfect ah, moment. I begin to think for a moment about what it must be like when Father, Father God connects with us. And we connect with the panim, the face of the creator, the presence, and he looks at us, and he sings over us, and he tells us over and over how he created us with every little feature that we have. And how he continually reminds us over and over, and he says, when we're laying there in the midst of our situation or our circumstance, and we're laying there as though a father laying us down for bed, and he sits there and he traces our face and the features of our soul and our spirit, and he says to us, I'm with you in your circumstance. You can't escape my face. My face will always be before you, whether you want it or whether you don't. You cannot escape my presence. I am with you always. What if God schedules our situations like a master planner? Think about that for a moment. The situation you're in right now, what if, what if he penciled in your toughest moments this week? What if God sat down with a big organizational chart, which he doesn't need in the first place, but he looks at you and he calls you out personally by name and he takes his pencil and he pencils it in and he looks at you and he says, I am going to create something in your schedule, this current place, this here moment, right where you're at. I'm going to schedule it in intentionally. But yet our human heart argues and says, God would never do that to me. God would never allow such a thing. 
He's the greatest organizer. But what if, what if you are here, in your situation, in your struggle, in your circumstance, to be pushed closer to the face of God? What if you are there? Because he's so amazing that he can organize any situation that we face. He's so amazing that he can use any situation that he wants to push us into the fruit of the Spirit. It's funny how he works. Wouldn't it be interesting if God intentionally penciled in, penned in, typed in, organized some areas or situations in our lives this week that have really pushed us, really pressured us, but the ultimate goal of the Father is to push us to a place more into his face, more into his presence, more into the panim, his face, where we get pushed to respond with the fruit of the Spirit, with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. What if he was doing that? What if that was what he is intentionally doing. Because understand this, if we are out of alignment, how many of you have a car? Raise your hand. When your tire is out of alignment, what happens? You know it, right? It begins to vibrate. You reach like 35, 40, going down the road, and you're steering. <laughs> and some of you are trying to text, you're like... Or you're on the phone, you're like, hey, how you doing? I'll be a few minutes late to work today. <laughs> Having your car out of alignment is a bad thing. But being out of alignment with God is a lot worse. And when we are out of alignment with God, we are generally far from gratefulness and worship. It's the last thing on our hearts and our minds. A lot of times, all we see is the difficulty of the situation. And the you that you don't know that is inside you isn't hungering for the negativity. It is hungering for the peace of God. It is hungering for the face of his presence. That's what David was talking about. Our soul yearns for the presence of God. It's hungering, it's thirsting. And in those moments when we, when we decide to take on the stress and the arguing and the bitterness and the irritations and we get quick-tempered quick with people and we lose control, we're out of alignment with the Almighty. And it begins to affect us so much that we begin to miss the face of God. The you that you don't know begins to miss out on the treasure that the Father has waiting for you in that here moment. I'm going to be honest with you. Yesterday, I almost lost my salvation. I had a situation arise yesterday when I was with some people and I will admit, yes, the pastor wanted to punch through a wall. But all of a sudden, in the midst, in the midst, I recognize, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I almost, if I'm not careful, I'm going to go out of alignment here with God. I got to get back into alignment. This is not the fruit of the Spirit. This is not the intention that God has put in my heart. God doesn't allow situations to test our physical strength. You know what I'm talking about. God does not put pressure in our lives to start a remodeling business because we tore everything down physically with our fists and our words. He puts the pressure in our lives so we can be pushed more towards his face because the you that you don't know is still being developed by the Lord himself. So how do we handle this? What do we do? What happens? Well, maybe, maybe it's time that we take our relationship with the Holy Spirit to a new level. Maybe it's time that we take personal responsibility for our placement. Maybe what we need to do when we are here in that place that God has allowed to happen, that God has penciled in, that he has typed in, that he has sent the memo to us over and over and over again, and we're just not getting it. Maybe we need to stop blaming everything else and everybody else and the enemy and God and take personal responsibility and say to the Holy Spirit, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm owning up, here I am. What would begin to happen? If you read through the Psalms, it's the heart of David, and he's just pouring out his heart to God. It's these written prayers. It's these declarations from his mouth that he is speaking and declaring in this intimate relationship with God because he understood the panim. He understood the face of God, and he understood that he could not be without it or function without it. And so this morning, I'm going to have you take your paper and your pencil or your pen. And I'm going to ask that we would put Psalm 139 back up there for us. It's also on your notes. And I'm going to teach you how to create a prayer for your exact situation that you are in right now using this scripture. And I know some of you are skeptical. But it's okay, because God's about to speak to you. What I want you to do right now, and you can do this at your own pace, don't pay attention to the people around you. We're going to take the next minute, and I'm watching the clock, the next minute, and I want you to read Psalm 139, 7 through 12 out loud, okay? On your mark, get set, go. Very good. Now the next thing I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you read Psalm 139 again, 7 through 12, but I want you to read it to yourself. Go ahead. Now some of you are looking at me awkwardly, and I don't know if you're done or you're just not doing it, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> now, you just read that verse out loud, so that your mind could hear it. And you just spoke that scripture internally to yourself so your heart could connect to it. The words of God are never wasted on paper. 
And so that means that every word in this section of scripture has not been there for a waste, but for a purpose. So now you're going to take the next minute, and as you went through that scripture twice, there were certain words that stuck out to you. Maybe it was the word presence, maybe the word depths, maybe the wings of dawn, hold me fast, darkness is as light to you. Whatever it may be, those words stuck out to you, they highlighted. And what I'm going to have you do is take the next minute, and I want you to write those words down, just write them out. It could be one word, it could be a phrase, whatever it is. You have one minute, go ahead, write those words down and highlight it. Feel free to look back at the scripture again. If you're writing, continue to write. Now the next thing you're going to do is there's a reason why the Lord highlighted those specific words to you in those scriptures. Because you're going to form a prayer with those words that you just wrote down, specifically for your current situation, the here that you are in. So you're going to take the next minute, and you're going to take those words and begin to write a prayer out. Some of the greatest prayers that are ascribed in the Bible are one sentences. Others are 10 or 20, but whatever. As the Holy Spirit directs you, I want you to write a prayer right now concerning your situation. Spouses, if you are married and you're sitting up tight and close beside each other, and you know right now there's a situation in your family that the Lord is having you craft a prayer with, I don't want you being like all looking over there and, you know, poking your nose around, all right? I don't want intimidation here. I want a place of freedom. This is a safe place. So, ladies, you may write what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Men, same thing. Go ahead and write, please. Now, you can continue to write. I don't want you to stop. But I can tell you this. What you're going to do with this prayer is you're going to pray this prayer specifically for your situation until it's done. Sometimes we don't contend long enough. Sometimes we just kind of do it two or three times, and then we're like, okay, God will answer it. And we make these little foo-foo prayers, and we don't contend for it. And God is just waiting for us to contend because he's molding our character in the process until it comes to pass. And so this prayer that you have written down or you're continuing to write, I'm going to encourage you to contend for your here moment because the you that you don't know is yearning for this more than you realize because we waste more time suppressing the you that we don't know and making excuses and it's missing out on the treasure and the movement that God has inside of us. And so now that you've crafted this prayer for your here moment, that brings us to the second part of this scripture. And it's simply this. God is here. Now, I'm not talking just about here, right now. Some of you need to hear that God is here in your situation, in your circumstance. God is present. He is here. What if we stopped looking to be rescued from our circumstance? What if we stopped looking to be rescued or taken out of our current crisis? What if we would hit it head on with commitment? What if we would hit it, hit it head on with commitment to the Lord 
and to say, God, whatever it is that you're doing in me right now, in this situation, have your way. May you get the glory. Because let me tell you what, it is his presence that enables us to overcome. That's what David was talking about in Psalm 139. David recognized that it would take the presence of God for him to overcome what was going on with inside of him. You know, in order to have presence, we have to be able to recognize presence. As many of us know, the Pope is here in the United States. Now, let me tell you what, the Pope has a presence about him. Now, if I was to take and put on what the Pope is wearing, and I was to parade down Washington, D.C., I guarantee you there would be a crowd, but not the kind the Pope had. Right? I don't think all of Washington, D.C. metro would come out to protect me, right? I don't think the military would come out. I don't think I would get to meet the president. I don't think any of that would happen because the Pope has a designated presence about him. That when the Pope comes along, everyone knows it's the Pope. And in the same way, the presence of God, when the presence of God shows up, everyone will know it's the presence of God. It cannot be mistaken. And we have to know the presence of God in order to understand presence. David starts this letter out and he says, where? Now, if we read through this scripture quickly, we think, oh yeah, it's the word where. It means like, where, where are you at? Where are you going? Where? I have a question mark. Where? And David starts out with this in his scripture, and we could simply pass over it, but there's something important that is here, because that word where is important to us. There's an actual Hebrew word called aye for the word where, and it means where is the place of his glory? Aye. Where is the place of his glory? What would happen if we stopped complaining and we invited the glory of God into our situation? What would happen if we stopped muttering and used all of our energy for complaining instead and we twisted that around and we started to use all of our energy to look for the aye? Where? Where is his glory right now? Where is his glory right now in this? The you that you don't know is thirsting and hungering for the aye. It's asking constantly, where is his glory at? Where is it? Because it's hungering for that glory. It's hungering for that connection. If you want to turn all of your crumbling and falls into a sense, then you must be ready to look for and recognize his omnipresence. That's what David was talking about omnipresence of God. I want to explain something quickly to you. There are some of us here today that you are tracking, you're saying, yeah, Pastor Jason, I'm tracking with you. I, I hunger for the presence of God. I want the presence of God, but I'm not feeling the presence of God right now in my life. And some of you here, you've done that little internal check that we all go through. 
And we call it the sin check, right? We all know what that is, where we go and we take and make a big list and we're like, well, I did this and, and I did this and is there this separating me from God? And what's going on? Is God, you know, turning his back on me like this and he doesn't want to talk? Is he giving me the hand? Is he giving me the three-point snap? You know, what, is there something that I did that has caused separation between us and God? And when, you, when the list comes up clean, what do you do? What happens when the list comes up clean and and you can't feel the presence of God? It's simply this. There are moments when we become so infatuated with the manifestations of God's presence that we miss the true depth and the truth that he has for us. There are moments where we begin to lay aside the word of God, the physical word of God, and We feel like all we need to connect with God is through worship and through prayer, and that will be good. And then as slowly as time goes on, we begin to neglect the word. We begin to neglect the truth, and we begin to read all these other Christian books, and and then we begin to throw that into our lifestyle. And before you know it, we're no longer connecting with the truth, but what we feel. The word tells us that God will never leave us or forsake us. And he commits to that and he promises to follow through with it. So what happens when we no longer feel his presence is simply this. God does not withdraw his presence, but he withdraws from our emotion. And he pushes us to a place where we return to the word of God because we know that that is the only stable thing that will never change. It's kind of like this. If I go behind this barrier here. You can hear my voice, right? But you can't see me. Does that mean I left the building? No. Some of you wish I did right now. I'm still there. I didn't go anywhere. And it's the same way with God. He withdraws from our emotions so we can't feel him, so he pushes us back into his word where his truth becomes our foundation. Which brings me to this. We have to learn to listen properly. We have to listen properly. It doesn't really take anyone to tell us this, but we're so emotional. Let's call for what it is. We are emotional people. I think about my daughter this week, my youngest again. You know, in a two-year-old's life, You mess with one thing, it turns everything upside down. And I remember earlier this week, we're getting ready to go to school, and my daughter had to wear a jacket. It was a specific jacket because the jacket attuned to the weather. And if she didn't have this jacket, it just wouldn't work. So we tell her, you got to put on your jacket. Adriana, you need to put on your jacket right now. If you don't put on that jacket, by the time I count to three, I'm going to take your bumblebee. Now, the bumblebee, you got to understand, the bumblebee was the sacred stuffed animal. (laughs) This held all of the world together, and if we took this bumblebee, the world would come unhinged. So I go immediately to the place where it hurts, right? So I say, Adriana, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. 
I take the bumblebee. There was a manifestation in my house that was not godly. And she lost it so much that she begins coughing because she's choking because she's crying so hard. And then the next thing, the arms start flailing. And the dance, and the flail, and the choking, and the crying, and it all just starts snowballing. And then all of a sudden, we're standing there, and she goes, I pee, pee. <laughs> and you just look, and it's just everywhere. She was emotional. (laughs) But how often in the same way do we relate to God that way, where we're emotional with him? When he calls us to this place because he knows. He knows what's best for us. And he just says, if you will listen to me, I will take care of you. And we choose our emotion over his truth. And we cry, and we give a song, and we give a dance. And we refer back, and we say, but God, I heard in prayer, or God, somebody told me this, and and Lord, but then we never refer back to the scripture, and we go off of our emotion And we pray through our emotion. And then when God comes back to us and says, no, I never told you that. I didn't tell you. It contradicts my word. And we throw a song and a dance before God. And we get in a position before him that's just embarrassing. But even in that moment, he still comes to us and he loves us through it. Instead of responding to him, we end up reacting out of emotion and we become irritable, self-focused, moody, angry. We drive people away and we magnify our negatives. But he's there and he's here. We just have to listen. I will say this and then I'll close. Simply this and I hope you get this when I say it. When we choose to listen to our emotions, we are held in bondage because of ourselves not the enemy. When we choose to listen to our emotions, we are held in bondage to ourselves, not because of the enemy. Would you stand with me? You are here for a reason. You're not misplaced. And God is here because he hasn't left you. And we just have to choose to properly listen because the you that you don't know is hungering and thirsting for more of his presence. Father, thank you that you love us 
that Father, just like that runaway bunny we were talking about in the beginning, that even in those moments, God, when we run from you to the deepest places that we think we can hide from you, you're still present because of your love and your commitment to us. Father, I pray that this week, no matter what our circumstance or situation is, no matter how deep it goes, may we be constantly reminded that you are present and that we are there for a reason, that we're not misplaced, and that the you that we don't know, you're yearning to connect with and do something amazing. We love you. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week.